0: Tonight's talk is on the first four jhanas. And I'll talk about them one at a time. And then I'll take questions afterwards. So the Anguttara Nikaya, the numerical discourses, say quite secluded from sense desires, secluded from unwholesome states of mind, one enters and remains in the first jhana, which is with Vitaka a Pali word meaning thinking and vichara, a Pali word meaning examining or pondering, and is filled with piti and sukha born of seclusion. So quite secluded from sense desires, secluded from unwholesome states of mind. We know that's code for being secluded from the hindrances quite secluded from sense-desire, secluded from unwholesome states of mind, one enters and remains in the first jhana, which is with thinking and examining, or thinking and more thinking, vitaka and vichara, so there's wispy thoughts in the background, and is filled with piti and sukha, born of this seclusion from the hindrances. Okay, that's the the sutta for the first uh, language for the first jhana. So to get there, you got to be in con- an access concentration for five to fifteen minutes. Then look for a pleasant sensation in the body. The most common place is the hands. They can feel tingly or warm or heavy. If a smile works, it works really well for those of you who can manufacture a smile and uh, it be a pleasant place to go to. So that's another possibility. The heart center, the third eye, the top of the head, the shoulder. These are all places uh, where you can look for a pleasant sensation in the body after you've been in access concentration long enough. So when you first get in access concentration, you'll realize, oh, man, I'm really present to the object of my meditation. Uh, Let me go look for that pleasant sensation. Wrong. You didn't stay in access long enough. you got to stay there for for, uh, 10 or 15 minutes. Really build that concentration in access so your jhanas won't fall apart. All right, after you've been in access long enough, look for the pleasant sensation. And what you're looking for is the pleasantness of the pleasant sensation. So when you find the pleasant sensation, what you want to do is put your attention on the pleasantness of it, not the location, not the part of the body, um, not the size of it, uh, but the pleasantness of it. Put your attention on the pleasantness of that pleasant sensation and do nothing except enjoy it. You don't have to do a thing. It will um, grow just based on your attention on the pleasant, because pleasantness will beget more pleasantness, which will beget more, and it'll sweep you, uh, it'll develop into the, the PT that will sweep you into the first jhana. Okay, so you'll experience PT in the foreground and sukha in the background. PT is that gleeful, delightful, uh, thrill component of euphoria or ecstasy. That'll be in the foreground. And sukha, happiness or joy, will be in the background in the first jhana. At first, it's not easy to tell them apart, PT and suka. It doesn't. As long as you, you'll know something is going on when you experience the first jhana. You don't. Uh, you may just notice the PT because it's really big. It's in the foreground and it's big. Um, but there might be a little suka in the background you can notice. But if you can't, that's all right. Yet. Event, you will need to. And if there's any background thinking, Vitaka and vichara, you can ignore it. So if you can remain undistractedly focused on the experience of sukha, you're in the first jhana. There's a simile for the first jhana, and it goes like this. Uh, Suppose a skilled bath attendant or his apprentice were to pour soap flakes into a metal basin. Sprinkle them with water and knead them into a soap ball so that this ball of soap flakes would be pervaded by moisture encompassed by moisture, suffused by moisture, inside and out, and yet would not trickle any water. In the same way, one drenches and steeps and saturates and suffuses one's body with this rapture and happiness, born of seclusion, so that there is no part of one's entire body which is not suffused by this rapture and happiness alright that's the, the simile we have a picture of what it was like at the time of the Buddha you didn't go to the store and bar, buy a bar of soap you didn't uh, you, you had to have uh, somebody skilled in making soap uh, help you get the soap you needed to get clean They got a metal basin, they put soap flakes in it, and then they put water in it, and they kneaded it into the soap. So in this simile, the soap flakes are your body, and the water is the piti which go throughout the body so that they're fully everywhere, the piti just like the water going into the soap flakes, permeating the soap flakes to make a cohesive bar of soap. Well, this picture of how soap was made at the time of the Buddha matches quite well the energy of the first jhana, which is not calm. It's not peaceful, this first jhana. It takes a lot of energy to infuse the soap flakes with water and the kneading that's required, And to make it into a cohesive ball, so too with the first jhana. It is energetic and pretty intense. And this simile gives a fairly good idea of the lack of calm in the first jhana. It has a frenetic energy to it. but keep in mind that when you're first learning the first jhana, your entire body may not be engaged. The PT sukha may not yet uh, suffuse the entire body. Instead, the pt energy can show up in a variety of places when you first experience it. It can be in the entire body all at once, and that's great if it happens, but don't worry if it doesn't. It can run up and down the spine. Uh, It can involve your upper torso, your head. In fact, the head is a very common place where PT starts. So when you're first learning, just get the PD sukha going and sustain it it doesn't matter where it's located or that it's not throughout your body at first. Eventually, you'll learn how to spread it throughout your body. But that's more of an advanced practice. You can spread it by putting your attention on a place where it feels the strongest and then just move it to a place where it's not present or not strongly present. You're not trying to move the energy. You're only moving your attention on the PT. And do this, if you do it, in a gentle and unhurried way until the PT Sukha fill the whole body. But again, it's more of an advanced practice. Don't worry about trying to spread it immediately. This is just mainly for anybody who's already got it someplace and, and has had it there and they want to start spreading it. You can also play with the intensity level of PT. Once you've gotten to the point where you can stabilize it, you can decrease the level of intensity of the PT and then bring it back up, just dialing it up and down. So the method for decreasing the intensity level of PT is to just pull your attention back a little bit. Give it less attention. And once it comes down, put your attention back on it and dial it back up. And just kind of play with the the level intensity of the PT. The length of time you'll want to stay in the first jhana is inversely proportional To the intensity of the PT. If it's really, really strong, you won't want to stay there as long. But if it's mild, you can stay there for five to ten minutes. If it's really strong, a half a minute is plenty. So that's the first jhana. The second jhana. This is what the Anguttara Nikaya says. Further, with the stilling of thinking and examining, by gaining inner tranquility and unification of mind, one enters and remains in the second jhana, which is free from thinking and examining, and is filled with piti and sukha, born of concentration. So with the second jhana, piti is now in the background, and Sukha is in the foreground. The thinking has subsided, and it's replaced with an inner tranquility. And there's a unification of mind around happiness. So let me say more about all that. First of all, to get from the first jhana to the second jhana... What you need to do is take a deep in-breath and out-breath slowly. Remember what I said earlier when you were in excess concentration and the breath seemed like it was so shallow you needed to take a big gulp of air? And I said, don't take a big gulp of air in excess because you'll blow the concentration. Well, now you want to take a big gulp of air to go from one to two because you want to decrease the intensity of the PT. slow and deep inhale and slow exhale. You want to decrease the level of the PT because you want it to go in the background. So the second jhana will show up with sukha in the foreground. Now I think I made it clear that the first jhana is not tranquil. But the second jhana is. The inner tranquility mentioned in the description of the jhana in the sutta, that inner tranquility language, it, that comes from lowering the intensity of the piti when you take a deep in breath and let it out slowly. And where you want to put your attention in the second jhana is on the sukha, the happiness. In the first jhana, you put it on the piti, which was in the foreground. Now the is in the foreground. And that's where you want your attention. And stay focused on the Sukha. This joy, this happiness. And as you put your attention on the happiness, the joy may increase. Anything we put our attention on seems to increase it. But don't let the Sukha get too intense because it might bring the pt back up and then you might get back into the first jhana so put your attention on the sukha but not with a laser beam and let your mind collect around the sense of happiness and just settle into it. As the mind becomes unified around the happiness, it's less likely to wander off. It's, it's a really nice place to be. But it's not a big explosion of euphoria like in the first jhana, the piti, it's a moderate amount of happiness a moderate amount of happiness. In fact, the strength of the second jhana is not really the sukha. It's the strong one-pointed focus on the sukha, the mind collected around the sukha. The one pointedness of that focus. But not too strong. On this short retreat, unlike a month long, you likely won't experience the level of concentration in the second jhana where thinking will subside altogether. So, you'll still have a little wispy thinking in the background. That's just fine. It'll be less than in the first, though. Okay, and then to maintain a skill level in the second jhana, you want to stay there for 10 to 15 minutes. That's pretty much the rule for all of them, except the first, which uh, you have to decide whether it's too intense or not, and you can get out quickly by just taking that deep in-breath. But for, and you can stay there longer if it's a pleasant experience. So stay there for 10 to 15 minutes to develop a skill in the second jhana. And there's a simile in the suttas. The similes are all in the Diganakaya. Suppose there was a deep lake whose waters welled up from below. It would have no inlet for the water from the east or west or north or south, nor would it, the lake be refilled from time to time with showers of rain. And yet a current of cool water welling up from within the lake, would drench, steep, saturate, and suffuse the whole lake so that there would be no part of that entire lake which is not suffused with the cool water. In the same way, one drenches, steeps, saturates, and suffuses one's body with rapture and happiness, born of concentration, So, there is no part of one's entire body not suffused by this rapture and happiness. So, notice in the second jhana that the rapture and happiness are born of concentration rather than seclusion in the first. We're still secluded from the hindrances. But the first jhana is born from, while the first jhana is born from that seclusion, the second jhana is born from a deeper concentration now. And the ability to completely let yourself be absorbed into the sukha, into the happiness of the second jhana. So the simile is of a lake with no streams coming in, no rain, but a spring at the bottom of the lake. This cool water wells up and fills the lake so that there's no part of the lake that is untouched by that cool water. This is an amazingly accurate description of the second jhana. Some people experience the second jhana lower in the body than the first, so the first might be in the head area, and the second might be more in the chest area. It's not a requirement, but that's uh, a very similar experience uh, to what a lot of people have. Maybe in the heart area. It may, f- might feel, in fact, like the happiness is coming from your heart and welling up um, as from a spring. And this happiness feels very much like ordinary happiness in daily life. It's not a transcendent happiness or anything like that. It's just regular old, run-of-the-mill happiness that usually is dependent on external events, but this isn't. So it's kind of like if somebody were to give you a birthday present on your birthday and it's the one thing you've been wanting. Uh, And you're just really happy to receive it. This is second jhana happiness. Sukha. Not triggered by anything external, though. Just by your internally concentrated mind. So see if you can stay there for 10 or 15 minutes to develop a skill in it. And if you get distracted, uh, just come back to the happiness. And if that doesn't work, if you get distracted and you try to come back to the happiness, then just go back to access concentration. You don't have to go all the way back to how it was when you first sat down to sit. Just go back to access. Your mind is likely at least as concentrated as you were in access at this point, if not a little more. So rev it back up in access and then try for one and two again. It's important to give yourself a little extra time in the second jhana to really experience this happiness and joy that comes from within. Really get to know it. The more you get to know the second jhana the more you'll be able to parse out the sukha in the first later on because it'll become real familiar to you. And there's a little bit of sukha in the third jhana, so you want to get a familiarity with it. So just hang there. And plus, it's a great place to hang. Okay, let's talk about the third jhana. Here's the sutta... Language in the Anguttara Nikaya. Further, with the fading away of piti, remaining imperturbable, mindful, and clearly aware, one enters the third jhana and experiences within himself or herself the sukha of which the noble ones declare. Happy is he who dwells with equanimity and mindfulness. So there's a lot of words here, and I'll break it down. But basically, you got sukha in the third jhana. You got sati, mindfulness, in the third jhana. And you got upeka a little bit of equanimity in the third jhana. Sukha, Mindfulness and equanimity. The key thing, though, is that there's no PT. That's how you know um, you're in the third jhana. If you've got a little bit of sukha, a little bit of equanimity, and there's no PT, you're there. Okay, so these three together, sukha, mindfulness, and equanimity. Uh, And there's less sukha in the third than there was in the second. And now there's an introduction of equanimity and mindfulness. The three of those together, it's contentment. Happiness and equanimity and mindfulness is contentment. It's kind of a wishless state. You want for nothing. And there's no PT, so there's no movement at all. You're very still and happy and hanging out in a state of contentment. So to get to the third jhana, you do the same thing as you did to get to the second. You take a big, deep in-breath, and this gets rid of that last of the PT that from two, and let it out slowly. It doesn't have to be as big of, of, and deep of an in-breath as you had to get from one to two because there's not as much PT to get rid of in two to get to three. But it needs to be a big inhale and exhale. And as you exhale in the transition, see if you can find that dial to happiness and dial it down. Dial the sukha down from two to three. It wasn't that high in two, but it needs to be dialed down in three. In one, the happiness is in the background. You can PT's the thing. In two... There's a moderate amount of happiness because it comes to the foreground. But in three, you want to dial it down, not all the way. It's just, you know, halfway between one and two. Make room for equanimity to come in. With mindfulness, that's contentment. So just put your attention on the experience of contentment, the feeling of contentment. Put your attention on that. Now, for some people, the feeling of contentment might be elusive. And so it, if you're about ready to go into the third jhana, it might be happy, uh, helpful. Um, before you um, get yourself concentrated to think of a time in your life when you were contented and have it on the ready. Just pull up that memory as you're beginning to sit down so it's ready that, so that when you make this transition from two to three, if contentment is elusive to you, you've got a real-life situation that you can bring to mind and you can pluck that feeling of contentment out of the real life situation, right when you're making the switch into three, and put it into that third jhana without the story. So that'll be helpful if, if you can't summon up a, a feeling of contentment easily, without thinking of something, some time when you were content. And you don't have to do anything to make the PT disappear in three. It will automatically disappear with that big inhale and exhale as the system downshifts from happiness to contentment. The feeling of contentment, when you get it, is rock steady. And if PT's still hanging around, you didn't quite make it to three. You're just in a quieter two. But if this happens, instead of going all the way back to access, you can kind of go back to just two. Get a strong two. Happiness in the foreground, PT in the background, and then shift down again into three. By taking that big deep inhale and exhale, and again, the third jhana is even lower still. So maybe in the in the belly area, if that seems to work for you, the feeling of going down as you experience these jhanas. And there's a simile for the first jhana, uh, third jhana. It goes, and it's in the Nikaya, and it goes like this: Suppose in a lotus pond. There are blue, white, or red lotuses that have been born in the water, grow in the water, and never rise up from the water, but flourish immersed in the water. From their tips to their roots, they would be drenched, steeped, saturated, and suffused with water so that there would be no part of those lotuses that is not suffused with water. In the same way, one dwells happily with equanimity and mindfulness. Happily with equanimity and mindfulness. So the simile of of lotus blossoms that grow up um, out of the mud but don't grow above the surface of the water describes perfectly the stillness of the third jhana in the water. Those flowers submerge below the surface of the water just hanging out there in the stillness of the water from the tips to the roots. They live their entire lives that way. They're not waving around in the breeze. It's very still in the third jhana. The lotuses are not moving with the ripples on the pond. They're just underneath the water, hanging there. Still and quiet. There's no movement at all. The simile, too, is a very accurate description of what it's like to experience the third jhana. You're immersed in a sense of contentment with no movement. And because the PT has completely faded out now, um, it's really a quite nice place to hang out. You don't want for anything. Nothing is disturbing you. And to become skilled... Stay there for 10 or 15 minutes. Okay, the fourth jhana. This is in the Anguttara Nikaya. Further, with the abandoning of pleasure and pain, as with the earlier disappearance of joy and sorrow, so in the fourth jhana, you're going to abandon pleasure and pain. No vedana, except maybe neutral. As with the earlier disappearance of joy and sorrow, so that's the hindrances they've left, one enters and remains in the fourth jhana, which is beyond pleasure and pain and is purified by equanimity and mindfulness. So we had an introduction of equanimity into the third jhana, and now that's going to take the center stage in the fourth. It's mindfulness and equanimity. In the third jhana, the contentment was pleasant. In the fourth jhana, it's an, an emotionally neutral state. There's no pleasure or pain. So to get to four, you're gonna have to let go of the pleasantness of the contentment in three. And let your mind just go neutral. If you had a faint smile in the third jhana, all you gotta do is relax the face. And as you do, there may be a sense of physically dropping down even further. So if you do experience that dropping down sensation, go with it. It can continue for some time. Eventually the mind will settle into a place of quiet stillness. That's the fourth jhana. The words in the sutta, neither pleasant nor painful, and equanimity may not be clear on what the focus is, but quiet stillness is very clear. It's the, really the best way to describe the experience of the fourth. These words, quiet stillness, just mean that the fourth jhana is an emotionally neutral state. And the fourth requires even more letting go than the previous jhanas. Letting go of anything you're holding on to. You have to really fully give yourself to the experience. Ayah said that being in the third jhana is like sitting um, at the mouth of a well, the third jhana. You're a little bit isolated from the world around you in the third. But she said to get in the fourth, got to drop down in that well. Just let go and drop. It's not like a free fall. It's more like a drifting down. or maybe drifting down to the bottom of a swimming pool. In the third, you're underwater. In the fourth, you drift down to the bottom of what's holding the water. The feeling of dropping down is so pervasive that you might find yourself physically slumping over. This is a very common experience and absolutely nothing to worry about. So if you have that, you know, physical urge to slump, go with it. I see lots of yogis when I open my my eyes doing that, who have learned the fourth jhana, and I do it too. So just go with it. Let your body slump over. If it becomes physically uncomfortable, you can kind of slowly straighten up a little. But if you feel the need to drop more, you may need to slump down again. As you get experience with it, you'll be able to modulate that better. But for now, while you're learning it, just go with it. It's better to have a sore back than not find the fourth jhana. It's an incredibly restful state. You're completely awake, fully conscious, and almost nothing is happening. And to be skilled, spend about 10 or 15 minutes in the fourth. There's a simile in the Diganagaya, the Long Discourses, which says, Suppose a man were to be sitting covered from the head down by a white cloth so that there would be no part of his entire body not suffused by the white cloth. In the same way, one sits, suffusing one's body with a pure, bright mind so that there is no part of one's entire body not suffused by a pure, bright mind. All right, so this simile is of a man sitting with a white sheet over his head, completely covering him. And he's isolated from the world around him as a result. The deeper level of concentration that you bring to the fourth jhana kind of has that sense of isolation with being withdrawn from the world around you. It may seem that sounds are further away or they disappear altogether. So to experience the description and the simile, it takes. Being in access concentration for much longer than 15 minutes, so you may not exactly experience that feeling of um, being covered over with by a sheet, but you'll know you're in the fourth. If it's quiet and still, and there's a neutral neutrality to it, no preference either way, no pain or pleasure. If you want to stay in access longer, concentration longer, you can. Just We don't advise staying in access longer than 30 minutes on this retreat, though. So that's the max. But you don't need to to experience the fourth jhana. Even at the level of concentration that you'll experience without spending two or three days in access concentration. Um, Even at that level of concentration, uh, the jhanas will be very, this fourth jhana will be very useful to you for insight practice. Very useful. Even if you were only in access for 15 minutes. So don't worry if you're not experiencing a body covered with a sheet. (laughs) So those are the first four jhanas. I don't know if you've heard of Manjushri. He's the bodhisattva of wisdom in the Chinese Buddhist tradition. And Manjushri is usually depicted holding a sword in his right hand in order to cut through ignorance because, after all, he's the bodhisattva of wisdom, and he's looking for ignorance to chop down. Well, jhana practice is sharpening Manjushri's sword. Insight practice is wielding it. Thank you for listening.